Welcome to Generation Tech. I'm Todd Brinker. I am joined, as always, by my dad, Jack. And here we are to talk about Spooky Fast. Before we talk (laughs) about it, I think I owe you and our audience an apology because we ended it last week as if we were going to be together in the same room this week. Right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to do a follow up too, and then we realized that uh, about a, you know after we got off there somewhere, maybe it was even a day or two later. I was like, well, yeah. wait a minute, I'm not going to be there next weekend. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> It'll be now we can say next weekend, right? Is right. as we record here on Halloween. Happy Halloween, by the way. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, this week I'll be traveling back east to spend a couple weeks back with you guys. And, uh, and so we'll, um, figure out what we need to do to, um, to, uh, make this happen. Maybe you can go be in another room or something. So that we... Yeah, we did, we did it once before. And I think I sat in one room and you sat in another because while we had the stuff to do it, remotely or i had the stuff to do it remotely we didn't have a good setup to isolate one person's voice anyway the spooky fast event was last night it was it was unique for apple in that they uh i don't know that they've ever done a an evening announcement of any kind but i think they wanted to have a little bit of fun with the uh fact that it was the day before halloween and uh the lead-in video, you said you came in a little late. The, the start video, they kind of flew into the campus, and they showed the ring with, like, a, a low fog, which I'm sure they put in as a special effect after that, you know, to make it look like there's this deep fog hanging over. And they went down through the, the walkways in the, in, the, in the park area in the middle of the uh, Tried campus. Tried to make it spooky. Yeah, it was kind of cute, actually. It was kind of fun. So, you know, and I, I actually prefer them doing that kind of thing than to doing a, you know, 10-minute long supposed comedy bit uh yeah. to tell us about how they're um you know recycling stuff i mean it's great that they're doing that and i want to know that they're doing that but you know when you're when you're sitting there listening waiting for them to tell you about products you know spending 10 minutes patting themselves on the back for being you know better at doing this than others yeah it, i i you know I, it's not why i'm tuned in you know it's, it's great i'm glad they're doing that and I and I have no doubt that they really are doing a better job. In fact, there's been several watchdog groups that said that of the the big manufacturers in the computer industry, Apple uh, does a significantly better job than everybody else in terms of uh, uh, trying to use recycled stuff. And uh, and in fact, you know, they've set goals. If you look at like the goals of a lot of the other companies that they publish, you know, Apple says their goals are 2030, which is you know six years away. Most of the others are saying 2050, which means that everybody who's making these goals will be no longer with the company in that time. So then the next guy can come along and go, oh, well, that was the last guy's plan. Now we're going to do it in 2060 or, you know, they just keep bumping it out. Whereas, you know, Apple's, you know, pat them on the back for, for having done it. But I don't need a 10 minute video, you know, yeah. in the middle of, of a product announcement to tell me that, I guess, is all I'm saying. So um, M3s, as was widely expected. And... So- Unlike the other uh, processors, they're not doing the original M3 and then later the M3 Pro and they and the M3 Max. Uh, and ultimately, there we assume there'll be an M3 Ultra, just like there was an M2 Ultra, uh, an M1 Ultra. But um, but uh, they they announced the M3, the M3 Pro, and the M3 Max simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, what was your overall impression? Well, uh, it, it, in terms of making the, uh, the, the actual product announcements, uh, they have an M3 chip, and that's about it. So the focus of the whole thing is what do you gain with the M3 being uh, primarily because it's a 3 nanometer uh, chip, but there mm-hmm. are, were some additional improvements in the design as well. They so changed the architecture. There were some improvements, yeah. and there was actually some downgrades, which is interesting. Of yeah. course, they didn't talk about that, but if you look at the specs, they actually backed off of a few things as well. So it's interesting to, to, to we'll kind of get into that a little bit. Um, well, one of the things that they talked about, and this has been a criticism of their previous chips, was that they were, you know, really, really fast for their power envelope, but not necessarily faster than than uh, the fastest Intel chips. But that in the graphics world, while they were 
more than adequate for 90% of your laptop work that when you were using them in a desktop sense, that they, their graphics weren't quite keeping pace with the best that you could get from the graphics chip manufacturers or the card manufacturers, which mm-hmm. in generally means NVIDIA because, you know, that's, that's the, standard in, in graphics chips. And so, excuse me. So they spent a fair amount of time talking about things that they've done to the graphics chips to enhance them, including something that they said is unique to them. And that is, uh, the idea of dynamic caching, which, uh, I thought was kind of interesting. Essentially what they were saying is that when a, uh, when something needed to be cached, they would use they would set aside a block of whatever the largest amount of memory that could be used uh, was uh, needed or could be needed. With, you know, so they'd set that aside, even if they were only going to use a portion of that. And that now it will dynamically set aside just the amount that is actually needed for that particular function. So it should be much more efficient in its memory use. Yep. So. I thought that was uh, an interesting thing, and it'll be, you know, once they're actually shipping, which is next week, I think, November 7th is when they're going to add, they actually start shipping. Um, right. uh, then, you know, I'm sure we'll start seeing all kinds of, of uh, you know, testing and stuff done on them so we can get some benchmarks and get a feel for for whether or not that has made a uh, a big change. Two other things were that they've moved out of software and into hardware. Uh, both mesh shading and, uh, accelerate, hardware accelerated ray tracing. Um, and the, the mesh shading has to do with, um, uh, dark areas, shadows and things like that. And ray tracing has to do with reflections. And both of those things make, uh, images look much more realistic and they have to be generated on the fly as something moves through a scene. And to move that to hardware, you're going to see significant increases in in the speed of the um, of the uh, imagery to be able to keep up with stuff. So, you know, that's going to be a big big speed increase. Again, um, the, you know, they said that this is uh, transparent to the developer. So, assuming that the developer is not going off and doing their own libraries, that they're building things using the um, Apple's development tools, then Apple's development tools will automatically take advantage of these. So it may require a recompile or something like that. Um, although even I, I would guess that if if even it, you probably won't even need a recompile because you know an app that then makes a call to something that's in hardware, the operating system will say, "We'll just send it to the hardware. Don't don't process it, you know, in the GPU or in the CPU." Yeah. Well, when it when it comes to uh, performance, it's. Uh as long as you've got the space to do it, ultimately, uh, ideally, for every product out there, you'd like to have it all done in hardware. Mm-hmm. You know, now given the, the that that gets rid of flexibility. It used to be you could dynamically load what was referred to as a microprocessor inside of a your, the main processor on machines that were known mm-hmm. as mini mini computers back 50 years ago. And uh, that allowed you to basically go at the, at, at least a higher speed. It was it was right. Not, it was not. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it was sort I, of like a a dedicated piece of hardware that was programmable, so that it could do right. different things. But you could you could set it up to do something, and if you knew you needed that that acceleration. Right. But yeah. But but now, if you're going to actually burn it into the hardware as you know mm-hmm. permanent uh, things. You, you really want to only do that for the things that can benefit most. Right. Uh, and so in specific areas of computing, uh, like in the graphics domain, they have specifically a graphics processor. Well, they ask themselves, where do we spend? They don't just ask themselves. They can run tests. Yeah. They look at the statistics uh, with, with and say, what is, and what is say, it we're doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. In the software, you can easily tell where you're spending most of your time. Those tools have been around forever. Yeah. And, and therefore, you say, here's a, here's a set of candidates and, and prioritize them based mm-hmm. on our experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so overall, they're saying that the GPU is going to be, uh, 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 cores are about 30% faster than those in the M1 family. And this, this is a little bit of a, a irritation for me. They constantly during this thing compare the M3 to the M1 family. Um, and it's, if you look at the, um, 
the the efficiency cores in the CPU, they're saying the efficiency cores are 50% faster than the M1 family. Now, they showed a graphic, but they didn't say it. They showed a graphic comparing it to the M2 family, and it's 30% faster than the M2. So a 30% increase is nothing to, to sniff at. Um, but, you know, it's like, in my mind, don't compare your brand new CPU to the CPU you sold everybody two years ago compared to the ones that's last year. You know, what, yeah. what's the step up from what you had before? Um, you know, cause last year was 20% over the previous year. Now they're saying it's 30% over that. I think that they could have made that comment and, and it would have sounded more genuine a little bit in my mind. Um, now remember the M, all of the Apple chips have, and if we're talking, I switched back to CPUs, by the way, but, uh, all the the chips have two different types of CPU cores. They have an efficiency core and a performance core. And the performance core, uh, as they stated, is 30% faster than the M1. It's 15% faster than the M2. So, again, they're faster than last year's chips by a pretty significant margin. That's a pretty good jump, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if you go all the way up to the M1 Max, they now support 128 gigabytes of memory. I know that at the high end, that's what some people were complaining about, especially when they put the M2 Ultra into the Mac Pro, the desktop one, is that the amount, the max amount of memory that it could handle was 128. And that was two um, M2 Maxes put together into an Ultra package. So presumably they will be able to do that now and give you 256. Yep. You know, they haven't announced that chip yet, but that's that's, you know, addressing some of those. You can see they're addressing some of the criticisms that people have had with with them, you know, and most people go like, who on yeah. earth needs 256? Well, you know, if you're uh, composing 8K video and you've got, you know, eight streams of 8K video and you're trying to then select scenes from each of them to do, you know, to to build a a, a film out of it. You know, and, and then you're going to downsample the 8K into, uh, you know, like a 6K to be shown in a theater or 4K to be shown on a television. Um, it takes a lot of memory. <laughs> it just does. Mm-hmm. Some of that stuff is insanely large files. You know, you see some of these pictures of these guys doing uh, musical composition and they've got, you know, 150 tracks of music and instruments playing. You know, it's essentially a full virtual orchestra. Um, so... You know, and that's all got to reside live in memory when you're trying to to work with it live. So, so there's there's uses for it. The average person doesn't need them in any way, shape, or form. I think before we came on the air, I, I mentioned that the I, I'm using basically the the bottom end M1 um, MacBook Air, and so it has eight uh, gig of memory and 100 and, no 256 gigabyte hard drive, and I'm bumping up against both those things. I've had some issues where like. My, um, I can't open any more apps on the screen without having problems, or I've got too many. I have to close some tabs on a browser because I'm using up all my memory. Um, so you know that's, but that's the very bottom end, right? Yep. So yep. And neural engine performance is another one in here we hadn't mentioned. There's the the computer, mm-hmm. the M3 family, or mm-hmm. the M family, I guess. All have uh, have had uh, uh, different specialized processors graphics Mm -hmm. general purpose and neural engine performance which is the ai stuff and so they've made a significant improvement over the original by 60 percent but the last year's is only 15 so it's an incremental thing yeah the last Uh, the, the m2 made a big jump over the m1 but the m3 is improving on even the m2 but again 15 percent is nothing to to uh scoff about i mean that's that's a pretty significant uh yep. improvement um you know and the uh, that that uh that uh ai engine the the what they call the neural engine is where they do a lot of their video encoding and stuff in hardware too so things like that are going to go much faster and they've added hardware support for av1 which is a an emerging standard um apparently a lot of the uh uh, HEVC stuff that's uh, a lot of videos being shot in now professionally is it's sort of like Dolby. They have to pay a licensing fee to use that. And AV1 is an alternative encoding format that is open source that does sort of all the same things. And so uh, Apple and a lot of, and, and several other companies are supporting the AV1 um, 
codec. So, uh, you know, again, to put it in hardware, that's all going to happen significantly faster than if you had tried to do it, uh, you know, as a software algorithm running across against your, against your standard CPU. Uh, so there, there are so many variables now on these more complex processors. I've, I've thought that even back when they first started with the M1, that they should have created sort of a uh, tool for users to make a decision as to what computer they want to buy based on their some inputs regarding their intended yeah. uses. Because yeah. it's, it's almost beyond comprehension to sit here and think, now, which which choice do I make when I order my computer? Because uh, you, you, within each class, M3, M3 Pro, and M3 Max, there are so many considerations. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they're all driven by, uh, you know, they, well, and, and of course, the, you don't want to spend a whole lot more than you need to for to get right. what, what you're yeah, I could see. I could see part of the marketing side of that is is like, well, we don't want to give them a tool that helps them because they might buy something smaller, whereas they are more likely to overbuy, right? To yeah. make sure that they didn't get something that's not going to quite work for them. But I agree. There, there should be sort of a configurator uh, option on their on their page, right? And you can go well, in and select like, here's the applications that I run on a regular basis, and then they can say. Um, you know, okay, generally speaking, if you're running all of these at the same time, you need X amount of memory, X amount of um, uh, storage, um, yeah. but, you know. But by the same token, uh, a, a c- consumer might very well buy the bottom end, go try it on what you think is the most stressful kinds of things that you're going to be doing, and then to just take it back. Yeah. So you're going to have to a whole bunch of returns in that first 30 days because you run mm-hmm. your, your, your basic uh, test on it. And uh, yeah, and then then go try the next step up. You know, you know, I think that's you- that's the professional level person's going to do that. The average person's going to go, "What's the cheapest one? I just need something to to browse the internet and you know run a word exactly. processor." And yeah. and let's face it, the 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 MacBook Air, both in the thirteen and fifteen inch sizes, is so much overkill for that. It is so beyond the uh, what you ever need to do that basic computing that yeah. uh, it's it's almost laughable. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right. The pro needs needs probably some some help in in understanding like well you know what is the what is the thing because like you know even in here they talk about when they're talking about the M3 Max they talk about you know uh, doing things with like DaVinci Resolve and Adobe Premiere Pro and Final Cut Pro which is their app um, and it's mm-hmm. like okay well you know these are all apps that obviously high-end pros are going to use. You know what those apps are, and you know you know how you could go like you know you could have a a, a matrix set up or a uh, or just a page where you could go in and say you know pick the five apps that you think you're going to use the most and then within each app you could make you know give them a slider and say you know I open x number you know like under uh final cut well I expect to do final cut uh uh or logic. Let's go with logic because that's their music editing thing. So I, I I run logic, okay, and then a slider that says I open logic with an average of you know six uh, different um, uh, six different channels, pro, yeah, six okay. different channels running, or I open it with you know an average of a hundred and five different channels running because you know I I do orchestral work and I and I've got you know something for every instrument in the orchestra and then some, um, you know. Um, mm-hmm. one, when you get logic, they always give you some sample apps of actual like, uh, songs that you've heard on the radio kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, the most, or I don't know if it's the most recent, but one of the more recent versions of logic, they included one of the early Billie Eilish songs and, you know, in her vocals, there was probably 70 different layers of vocals that she did. And, and I've seen a video with her and her brother and how he's basically her, her engineer and how they do that. And she sings it and then she sings it again and then she sings it again and he layers them all and, you know, and they do the same thing with the instruments. And so, you know, it's, 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 it's beautiful 
orchestration of voices and stuff, but it's 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 not just you know a voice, a bass, a guitar, and a drum, you know, and a, and a keyboard. <laughs> it's not those five yeah. tracks, you know. I mean, the vocals alone were were you know forty or fifty tracks. I mean, yeah, it was and, stunning. And, and, so, and so when she goes out for live performances, she probably just can select just those uh, tracks that she wants to accompany her. Yeah, uh, and then she sings the primary melody. You know, that's yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah, she can do that. Yeah, I'm sure they do things like that when, you know, to, to be able to perform live. Um, they also sometimes do, um, they've got, uh, you know, uh, vocoder things that will allow you to, to, um, multiply your voice and then move the different, uh, versions of it up or down an octave or a half an octave so that they can kind of create that in a live sense. Um, you know, and let's face it, you could do that, you know, artificially too. You could re, you could sing it once recorded then duplicate mm-hmm. it and then bump it up you know however much you want or down however much you want in order to create harmonies um you know and that way then they're perfectly sure. synced and so they probably do some of that too you know uh and i don't begrudge artists that at all i think you know using the studio as an instrument is is an interesting thing it's something that uh, started largely with um brian wilson and the beach boys you know and you think about sure. all the layers and stuff that they had in their their music you know Yep. Um, I, you know, I think that's, that's. Of course, of course, the average listener or even in, at, a, at, a, at a performance doesn't realize where all those sounds are really coming from. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, in fact, I, I, I had listened to uh, another song or another documentary about a song being created and uh, it was a Justin Bieber song and I'm not really a Justin Bieber fan, but it was really interesting to see the, um, the studio work, the, uh, guy who was, who was doing the, uh, producing and engineering, I think his, his working name is Skrillex. And there, he, part of the sounds that you thought you heard that were maybe instruments or something were actually his voice that they had just applied a lot of filters to. And mm. so it turned out that the song was largely, uh, a vocal, but mm. you never would have known that listening to it. Yeah. So. Well, the, the originator of, of a vocal orchestra was, uh, uh, I forgot the name, uh, in the past there was a, there was a guy who made a, made a, uh, a whole, uh, bunch of recordings by a group of singers only. Yeah. And I, I forgot what the heck the name was. That <laughs> just slipped my mind. But, it, but anyway, it's, you know, it's been done many times and a long time ago, even. Yeah, yeah. Now, a lot of that was done, you know, live as a choral group. Yes. You know, and the ability, the, what we're talking about it largely in, in now is you you yourself can become the choral group because you, because of what the, the how many right. tracks you can record now and re-record and, and layer, yeah. you know. It's a, solo, a solo group. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it's, uh, the recently there's been some, um, uh, some documentaries on, uh, on the Beatles and stuff. And it's, it's funny when you hear them talk about like, you know, yeah, when we started recording, we had a two track. So basically a stereo recorder. And then we went to four and he says, and when we got to eight, he goes, you know, he says, honestly, I still think that's all you really need is eight tracks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, he says, of course, that, that's ridiculous today. If so you told somebody they were limited to eight tracks, but, uh, um, yeah, it's, um, it's pretty amazing what you can do with the studio stuff. So anyway, back to M3s. Um, so they talked about the M3s, you know, sort of in depth and they had uh, Johnny Cerucci come out and talk about the details. And we'll talk a little bit more as we get to the end, cause we've got some, um, uh, graphics that we can look at while we talk about them that talk about the specifics of cores and things like that. Um, but they went from the M3s into what those M3s will show up as. And in fact, they were available to order as soon as the, the show was over last night. It only lasted about 35 minutes too, or 30 minutes. It was, it was, um, pretty quick, you know, for a, for a Monday night, I guess. The short, the shortest one I, in, in my memory. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was funny because when I, I went out to go watch and I went out to my office here in the, the shack out back studio to watch, uh, well, actually, I sat down in the living room and grabbed the remote. And my wife looked at me and like, you're not going to watch that here, are you? And I'm like, uh. <laughs> and, and yesterday was her birthday. Happy, happy birthday, dear. And so she, uh, I had told her I would go get us something for dinner, uh, you know, her choice. And so she's, she asked the logical question, how long is this going to last? And I went, 
Oh, <laughs> I said they're usually over within 90 minutes. And of course, this one was like 30 minutes. So it was, it was, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. And I was off to go get dinner. Um, you know, but I'm on the West Coast. So I was done at, you know, 530. So it's not like it was 830 on the East Coast. But, uh, anyway, they find they, they, once they talked about the chips a little bit, they told us what they were going to come in. And that is the, uh, Apple's, MacBook Pro 14 inch and MacBook Pro uh, 16 inch, 16. and something that I picked up on almost immediately as they were introducing these was that for the first time the 14 inch, not the 16 inch, but the 14 inch will be available with just the M3, not the M3 Pro or M3 Max. Previously, if you went yeah. to the 14 or 16, your options were a Pro or a Max chip, and the reason was. And this was it. I guessed it almost immediately. I said, Oh, I bet that's the end of the 13 inch MacBook Pro. And it is. So the 13 inch MacBook Pro that had the touch bar, the last surviving Mac with a touch bar is no more, which, um, which is the Mac that you have and the Mac that my, uh, old, the older of my two daughters has. Um, you know, it was controversial. I think some people really loved it. Some people really hated it. Now, oh, you don't have a MacBook Pro? I thought yours was a Pro. Nope, mine is a MacBook Air. Mine, Air. I, mine oh, was. Okay. I got it dirt cheap. I got a MacBook Air, the basic one on, I think Amazon, uh, oh, okay. during one of those um, Amazon deal days, and it was like seven forty nine, I think. And uh, uh, and so, like I said, it doesn't it doesn't have much memory, it doesn't have much storage, but it's but I wanted an M one uh, to be able to. Um, you know, see the difference and play with it. And it's kind of become my main machine. It's a laptop, but I've got it plugged into my screen here in the, in the studio. Yeah. Okay. Anyhow, we've got 14s and 16s in terms of size. Yeah. yeah. And I never quite understood why they had a 13 and a 14. So that's kind of answered. <sighs> yeah. This. The 13 was kept around because it was selling. Yeah. You know, it was hitting a price point that was, it was only a couple hundred dollars more than an air and it was a pro. Although everybody yeah. who knows who everybody in the know went, well, it's not really a pro though. You know, yeah. it was basically an air with a touch bar and a couple extra ports yeah. and it uh, required USB-C charging, right? You don't have, didn't have the MagSafe because it, it was created during that era where they did away with the MagSafe. Um, yep. and so they brought the MagSafe back and, uh, yeah, I think this makes a lot more sense is to have a 14 inch that sort of sits with the slightly lesser chip at a more affordable price. It's 1599, which is more, I think the, the, the 13 inch mag say, or 13 inch that they was available up until yesterday was 1399. So it's $200 more. Mm-hmm. But you do get the bigger screen. I thought it was interesting too, the, um, the folks at, um, at, um, who was it? Uh, not Mac Rumors. Um, at, uh, yeah, Mac Rumors. I'm sorry. Not Mac Daily News. Mac Rumors pointed out that the, uh, the lower end 14 inch, the one that comes with the M3, no designation, uh, only has two USB-C ports. And that's probably because that's all that chip supports. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when it makes its way into the MacBook Airs and stuff, you won't see any additional ports on it. So, yep. whereas the the uh, 14 inch and 16 inch MacBook Pros that have the M3 Pro and the M3 Max both have three ports in them. Yeah. You know, and, so. And those two ports were uh, the next lower spec, too, in terms of their. Yeah, they were, they were, um, uh, USB 3.2 ports as opposed to Thunderbolt ports, right? I'm not, yeah, I'm Is not that... sure. No, they were Thunderbolt, but they were, uh, uh, a, yeah, a slightly earlier version. They just didn't change, uh, to the latest. And I don't know what the difference was. All I saw was the number change between the 13 and, I'm sorry, between the, uh, uh, the new 14, which is like a 13 stuck in a 14 inch box. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you lose the touch bar. I mean, that's the big thing. That's the, um, well, and the thing that they say is, you know, it has, it only has two USB-C ports, but unlike the 13 inch, which also had two USB-C ports, you don't have to use one of them for charging because you can use right. the MagSafe charger and still have two available ports. So it's essentially picking up a port. Right. Yeah. So. 
So in that sense, it makes sense. But, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those, again, where if you love the, um, you know, if you love the touch bar, then, you know, you can still probably get some of the, uh, the 13s in, in the channel through other resellers or through the, uh, I think there's some in the refurbished store, uh, which I recommend, by the way, if you're looking for anything from Apple and you want to save a buck, they have a like new warranty and you can go to their refurbished store. You have to hunt around for it. Usually at the bottom of the webpage or something, there's a, you know, refurbished. But uh, if they've got yeah. what you want in stock in the refurbished store and it's in the configuration you want, you can usually save a couple hundred bucks um, on computers. Yeah, and, and and I went for the pro model just explicitly for that touch bar. Right. You know? I don't care yeah. if they got rid of it or not. I'm glad I got it in my machine. Yeah, as <laughs> did my daughter. She really liked that. She's uh, um, she had used it or, or played with it in a store years before and decided that that's what she wanted was one that had that touch bar. And and you know I haven't asked her recently how much she actually uses the touch bar versus you know just hitting a button. But, um, you know, I always felt like Apple gave up on that too quick. Like, it should be an option on all their machines. Like, if you want it, it's there. If you don't, it's not. Because yeah. they introduced it simultaneous with the butterfly keyboard and the removal of the MagSafe. And so all of that that line of computers sold poorly because those three things were significant. And yep. so they basically got rid of all of them. And it's like, well, wait a minute. You know, your, one of your top-selling computers the last couple of years has been that 13-inch, and it had that again. It had the touch bar. So it's. I don't think people didn't like the the touch bar. I think they didn't like the butterfly keyboard because it, it was having problems, you know, repeatedly yeah. for lots of people. Uh, and then they had given up a bunch of uh, ports and the SD card slot and HDMI and MagSafe, you know. Yeah. And, it, and initially, when they did create the touch bar, they had gotten rid of the function key. And a lot of oh. programmers use that function or that, not the function key, the escape key, escape. that physical escape key on the top left yeah. was something they used all the time. And when they took it away, com- programmers were livid. And so they put that back in. So it has a, you know, a, a, a escape key at one end and the touch ID key at the, the other, other end, other end. and right. then the touch bar in the middle. And I think that was a really good compromise. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I love my computer. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really think they should have made that an optional thing. I think they'd find that there's a certain percentage of people that would have continued to buy that. They could have even charged a premium for it and said, you know, for an extra hundred bucks, we'll, you know, you can get the the version that has the the uh, touch bar. And I think a lot of people would have bought that because it has some real utility, you know. Yeah. Yeah, in, in fact, I'm really an iPad user. I mean, even though I have this computer, it's, it's as I said, probably the last computer I'll buy, but, but I'm I'm inclined to sometimes do things on the computer just because of the touch bar. Yeah. You know, like like uh, using any of the Office products, they they all support it. You know. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, You're referring to like the Microsoft Office products or to no, the Apple no, no, Office? No, Apple Apple Office. Okay. Stuff. Yeah. So uh, you, you get used to it. Yeah. You know? It's just yeah. Well, the idea of a you know set of of virtual buttons that can be reassigned to do mm-hmm. specific things within whatever app it is you're using is makes sense. It really is a good idea. It specializes you know? the machine for what you're doing right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there are times like when you're doing Photoshop work and stuff where rather than a button, a slider makes more sense. And yep. so it turns the, into a slider there. I always thought it was a good idea. I never owned a device that had it, but that largely it wasn't the, it wasn't the touch bar that kept me away. It was the, the butterfly keyboard and the giving up of all my ports. And, you know, as a, a, a fairly serious hobbyist photographer, I didn't want to give up the SD card slot. You know, that because then I had to carry a stupid dongle around with me. Uh, um, you know, to, to me, it makes all the sense in the world. And you used to have up there F1 through F9, right? Uh, I says, F12, but yeah. Or F12. I said, what, what the heck are those for? Well, you had yeah. to remember stuff, you know? Yeah. Whereas now I just got something that's a symbol that means something. Yeah. 
you know? Yeah. Well, and the irony is, is that if you look at an Apple keyboard, the the lettering of F1 through F12 is very tiny because they make room because right above it, they put an icon for what they actually do, you know? Wow. And so there's like, you know, uh, play, pause, forward, yeah. backward, uh, volume up, volume down, and volume mute. mute. You know, there's a get sure. brighter, get darker on the screen, right. uh, you know, and so... And those are then hardwired in. Why not? You know, that, which is great when I'm in the operating system. Yeah. But when I'm when I'm actually inside of an app, why can't those then change to be functional with inside the app and and still be labeled right? Whereas right now, you know, it's painted on a key. So yeah, yeah I thought the idea was great, and it, it's it's kind of a disappointment that they've abandoned it completely. Um, <laughs> you know, specifically, I think, like I said, I think that a lot of the 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 Lack of popularity of the devices that had it were weren't due to it in particular. It was just packaged along with other stuff that people found undesirable. Yep. So, well, enough about that. It's history. Yeah. Well, and you know what? <laughs> enough people talk about it and complain. Apple might add it back in or make it an option. You know, like yeah. I said, I think I think it, it deserves to be an option. You know. Oh, certainly, at least. You know, it it, it deserves and, and to. And they could, as far as I'm concerned, charge a little extra. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying. You know, if they charge an extra fifty or hundred bucks to say, "Hey, you want that instead of keys?" Fine. Yeah. You know, most uh, most people would would choose that. I think. I think realizing a lot of, pe- a lot of people would. You know. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there there are some who would say, "Nope, I don't want that. Don't want to spend any money on it." Um, I'm not going to use it, but there's a lot of people who would go, I'm already spending a lot of money. I might as well get, you know, the maximum flexibility, you yeah. know, and if you work in an app that specifically, you know, has an interface that takes advantage of that, um, you know, if you do a lot of work in Photoshop or a lot of work in one of the office apps or, you know, then sure. it, you know, it, there's some advantages as you pointed out. So yep, just gives you an alternative input device. So anywho. Um, so the, uh, the new laptops, the, 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 the same as the old laptops, but with a faster processor with a few exceptions. One of those exceptions is that they increase the brightness on all of the displays. So they have a 20% brighter screen. Um, they went from 500 nits up to 600 nits of peak brightness. Uh, I, I think that matters if you're in a br- very bright area, that's when you need more nits. Yeah. Yeah, well, it also allows more contrast in the image then too. So yeah. you know, if you're, um, you know, and they said that you know it's um, it can hit sixteen hundred nits if it's if it's um, HDR content. So if you're watching a movie or something, then you want the image to look the very best. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, these are hands down the best screens you can buy in a laptop. You know, I mean, there sure. may be some out there in other companies that would match them, but nothing's going to do better than them. These things are pretty phenomenal in terms of their image quality uh, on there. They uh, the the battery life is is meets or exceeds everything that's been out there. the The one thing that was different was that they now have the 14 inch lower end model that replaces what was the 13 inch Pro. Uh, my my thought is is that with a portable, especially the 13 inch portable. <laughs> Is that if you really wanted a better display, you just hook it to a permanent uh, large display that's got you know high good high resolution, like their five gig display. Yeah, their their you know? yeah their five meg uh, megapixel. Is that what it is? Yeah, not, not five, gigabyte. Five K. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, 5K they've got a five. They have a five K display, and then they have the six K XDR display. But um, so so I. I, I think for a 13-inch display, there's not that much difference uh, that you could really notice it, it. You know, it's hard to tell. I think some people are much more sensitive to it than others, especially if you work in the video field, you know, if you work in the movie yeah. industry. Then, yeah, but those are the guys that also want the big screen. Yeah, know? some do, or or largely what they want is, you know, but if you're working remotely, you don't necessarily have the ability to do that. But uh, the other thing for them is accuracy of color. You know, yeah. and that's something that Apple does that uh, a lot of manufacturers don't do nearly as much as, you know, the, the, the accuracy of the color on all their devices, like their iPads and stuff. Um, I heard an anecdotal story the other day about, um, on movie sets that iPads have become the default, uh, device on a lot of movie sets because they're, you know, rock solid, dependable. They always work. 
You don't ever yeah. have to worry about rebooting, and their color quality is is near perfect. I mean, it's professional level quality on the screens. So if you wanted to, to you know, shoot a scene and then you immediately want to watch it to see what it looks like, to decide if you need to do a reshoot, um, uh, you know, they would watch it on an iPad on location. And then, yeah. and then make a decision if they needed to reshoot something, you know, to, or change the lighting or something like that. Yeah. Uh, which is impressive, you know, to say that they've replaced professional, professional tools. By the way, did you happen to see at the end of the, um, the, uh, show yesterday, they said that the entire thing had been shot on an iPhone and edited on a Mac? No, I didn't notice that. Yeah, that entire episode, the, the special, or their their announcement huh. yesterday, all 35 minutes, was shot on an iPhone, which means that they had to have an iPhone attached to a drone when they did the flyby over the yeah. top of the, you know. But th- I thought that was impressive, and I think that that's something they should be doing. If they say they've sure. got professional quality stuff, then they should be proving it, yeah. right? Absolutely. And, uh, and so th- I thought that was cool. And they didn't make huh. a big deal about it, but they did announce it at the end. It just popped up on the screen, you know. Well, it probably caught your attention. Did they say i15? Uh, it was an iPhone 15, yeah. 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 So. Yeah. I yeah, mean, obviously, they're going to use the latest and greatest phone in their in their right. uh, effort. They're yeah, we gonna... did this with an i13. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we had an old iPhone 6 laying around, so that's what we used. You know, what the heck? Yeah, what the heck? Hmm. <laughs> Oh, I think the 15 has got a phenomenal yeah. camera, according to everybody. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I am part of the upgrade program, so I moved from the 14 to the 15. And from, I, to get to the 14, I had used an 11 Pro. So I went from 11 Pro to 14 Pro. And I felt like the 14 Pro, the colors and the sharpness were just overdone a little bit. I, the images looked good, but they weren't great. Um, and in fact, I felt like some images looked better from my iPhone 11 Pro than they did on the 14 Pro. The 15 Pro is just hands down the best camera in a phone I've ever had. I mean, it's just phenomenal. And I've taken a couple trips with it now and used it very specifically uh, on one trip uh, as my primary camera. And I brought a nicer camera with, you know, interchangeable lenses and ended up hardly using it at all. Um, uh, because, uh, I, I, I took a few shots just do by side by side comparison and, um, decided that no, the iPhone is good enough for the vast majority of what I wanted to do. In fact, I, I didn't run across a shot where I thought that the other camera was the better camera to have with me. Um, you know, if I'd used a really long lens. Now, there was one trip where the, the iPhone dismally failed. And that was when I went up to Utah to take pictures of the uh, annular eclipse mm. earlier this month. Yeah. And um, I had, you know, protective film to shoot through so it didn't damage my cameras. And the iPhone was just terrible at that. Uh, mm. You know, but then, you know, I had a... a an effective 750 millimeter lens on a Nikon camera body. Uh, I mean, it's a 500 millimeter lens, but I was using a, uh, an, uh, 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 app sensor. So it wasn't a full size sensor. So it was a 750 millimeter equivalent lens with the filter on it on a tripod. And I got what I felt were, you know, phenomenally good photos, as good as anything mm-hmm. I saw from anybody online. And, uh, um, you know, and there's, there's no way on earth I would have gotten that without that camera. You know, mm-hmm. the, the iPhone wasn't going to cut it, but that's a pretty extreme situation for taking photos. Everything I've, everything yeah. else I've used, the, the iPhone has been phenomenal. And in fact, the rest of the vacation, a lot of the images were taken with the phone, you know, right. yeah, the rest of that travel. So, well, it's made for the ordinary kinds of shots. Yeah. Well, I, I, you it's know. you know it's it's good for a lot of stuff. In fact, I've seen some people do some astro photography of you know stars and the moon and stuff from an iPhone that I thought looked pretty cool. But uh, yeah, it's just it's not going to uh, you know <laughs> take pictures of the sun with your handheld camera and your you know in your pocket. Yeah. yeah, no, you know there's a lot of cameras that wouldn't get that picture right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. There's there's limitations as to what they know it's going to be used for most of the time. Yeah. Now it's funny they said that the that that it was shot on an iPhone and edited on a Mac. They didn't say which Mac, and you know watch it was probably a MacBook uh, 13 inch with a Touch Bar because they could then use their fingers. <laughs> uh, that would be hilarious. 
they won't even talk about the touch bar again unless they introduce it again. Exactly. The touch bar is dead to Apple. They will never mention it again unless it's like being reintroduced. The new and improved. Everybody loved it so much, we decided to bring it back. Yep. You know, I can see it, those word, those very words coming out of Tim's mouth. Yeah. You know, it's funny, too, because, you know, all of the other uh, Apple events, he always started as it's kind of a thing. Tim comes out and goes, good morning. And and so, you know, last night he comes out and he goes, good evening. (laughs) (laughs) And some people were supposing that they were doing this evening thing because it was going to be like morning on Tuesday morning in Japan and China. And so he he was thinking of that market. And so they thought he might come out and say good morning. But, uh, you know, it's like, come on, you're, you're in California and everybody knows it. You know, you're at the <laughs> Apple campus and it's, you know, 530 at night at the Apple campus. Right. So, uh, and obviously this was shot well in advance. So, you know, who knows where he actually was when this was going out live. But, right. uh, but uh, he was sitting at home watching it on television himself. Yeah. Streaming it. <clears throat> so, yeah. So, um one of the things, you know, we talked about the touch bar Mac being gone and stuff. One of the things that I thought was interesting, and I didn't see it until uh, I was reading the article today uh, on uh, Mac Rumors, and that is that the memory bandwidth on the M3 Pro has decreased. Yeah. That previously the- it was 200 uh, gigabits per second, and that now it's 150 gigabits per second in, in on the Pro um on the on the pro level, the max uh-huh. still has 200 gigabits per second. But then they also said that the M3 Max with 14 cores. So it's not the like they they have some binned version of the chips, right? The Max it has um, uh, was it 16 cores? I think is the max that they have in the Max. <laughs> that's, well, that's, I haven't looked at how you order them, but I suspect you could choose how many cores you want, at least within some right. limited sets. Well, and that's it. They've got some like the, the on the M3 Max. It supports up to 16 cores. Okay, mm-hmm. but they do have a 14 core version, and the 14 core version only supports. 300 or uh, 150 gigabits per second of uh memory bandwidth and mm-hmm. and it i wondering you know is this because they've done lots of studies and found that there was a whole bunch of bandwidth that they built in there that just wasn't getting used or are the or, or is this a limitation it's hard to say you, you know? know was it engineered in because it's like we're wasting Effort and, and money it, building it, this. It, it could have gone either way. Yeah, and then some of the some of them, like I said, the, the if you get the if you get the uh, the M3 Max with the 16 cores, it still has the 400 gigabits of memory bandwidth. Yeah, you know, because it's got more cores, it's got a, it's going to you know move more more stuff back and forth between memory. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it'll be real interesting, uh, when they start running some, um, different, um, uh, diagnostics on these chips to see. Yeah, there, there'll be test houses that focus on that particular issue, I'll bet you. Oh, absolutely. Cause it's, it's the only thing that I've seen that looks like, I say looks like, cause we don't know if it actually is, but looks like a downgrade. Yeah. You know, and I can't imagine them, I mean, obviously they didn't mention it when they're, introducing the chips because it's it sounds like a negative um i would think that they're probably going to have one of their technical people do an interview explaining it you know yeah Uh, because it's you know it didn't take very long for somebody to you know look at the information that they put out and said hey wait a minute your specs are different on these why'd these go down and so, yep. the, you know, the, somebody separately is going to have to now come out and say, you know, do an interview with, with you know, one of the technical uh, uh, journalists and explain why they made that choice and how and why it's not a bad thing, you know, <laughs> because that's the look is right. Why do you want to go down in numbers instead of up in numbers? Well, uh I, I can almost bet you that they're not go- that the testers aren't going to find a definitive answer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I will bet that they will. You know, they'll run tests and and they're going to say, you know, that 
they're going to they're going to see if they can find a bottleneck, you know, and so yeah, they're but, going to do things that are really intensively going to push memory back and forth. Yeah, yeah, they they, they might just uh, come out and finally say it doesn't matter. They might, they might, you know, or I mean, they're going to say it matters, but only in in some really rare circumstances that you would have to, you know, really go out yeah. of your way to try to make happen in in real world use. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's been a a response that we've seen in the past with certain um, uh, benchmarks is people go, well, yeah, you can go create a benchmark that that, you know, stresses us in this specific way that will then, you know, but but in real world, you're never going to have that happen. Well, whatever it is, uh, Apple would be foolish to put it out or at least to spec it, you know, on the published numbers and have, have that shown to be wrong. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, I think that they, you know, like I said, I, I would be shocked if they didn't like today or tomorrow have one of their people come out and talk about the fact that they changed that and that mm-hmm. they, you know, they looked at studies and they looked at, you know, the, the you know, CPU usage and decided yeah. that, you know, that, that, that there was a whole bunch of, of headspace that just wasn't being used. And uh, and so, you know, if it's not being used, then let's let's match it to the actual use patterns better. Yep. You know, and, uh, and there, you know, that's, that's probably going to be the answer, but I'd like to hear it from them, you know, because yeah. remember everybody made a big stink about the fact that if you ordered, uh, uh, a while back that it was, there was the thing about if you ordered, uh, um, I think it was the mini, if you ordered a Mac mini with, uh, uh, this wasn't their, their, um, memory bandwidth, but their storage, if you ordered it with, um, uh, 256 gigabytes, yeah. That it was slower than the than its predecessor because it now came with a single 260, 256 gigabyte chip as opposed to two 128s. And when it had two 128s, it had double the memory channel to get to the storage. Yeah. And, and everybody made a stink about that. But in real world use, it made no difference whatsoever. Yeah. And so – you know, I guess if you used again, you could probably build a benchmark that that really, really stressed the read write to the to the storage, and you could show there was a difference. Yeah, but does it matter when you're browsing the internet and uh-huh. and you know working on a spreadsheet? Probably not. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of iffy stuff. Yeah. Well, like you said, it's gotten it's gotten so complex, and you have to look at the over the 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 system as a system, and not isolate one specific issue within the system or one specific spec mm-hmm. uh, to really get a picture of how it's how it's working and how usable it is. You know, yeah. um, I've got to think that the you know the, as these things are progressing, Apple's looking at some of the um, things that that are being pointed out publicly and saying, well. You know, Apple is faster than most Intel chips, but they're not faster than the fastest Intel chips yet. You know, mm-hmm. and you know yeah. that the the Ultra that they put into their Mac Pro isn't what they really wanted to put there. I mean, you know, there was lots of rumors about their. You know, the Ultra is basically a dual Max chip, and there was lots of rumors about a quad Max chip that was supposed to come out, and then Apple then canceled it because it was not cost effective. Um, mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that they're not going to then build you know, a subsequent generation of chips that is capable of making the Mac Pro faster and better than and, and more memory capable than the Xeons that it's supposed to be replacing, you know. Yeah. And and those right. Xeon chips were like the ultimate extreme version of, you know, Intel's architecture. So, yeah. but they weren't very memory or they weren't very uh, energy efficient, but they didn't have to be. They were sitting in a big giant case with fans and could have all the energy in right. the world, right? <laughs> and so, yep. you know, Apple's designing like one set of chips that's supposed to work for for everything and that does handcuff you a little bit. Yep. Uh anyway, why don't we move on to the Mac, iMac? Yeah, so the other actual device that these chips are going into was the desktop iMac, the all-in-one, the fastest and best-selling all-in-one in the world. Um, they didn't I, make I, a bigger would, screen or anything. That's been something that a lot of people have been kind of wishing for for a while, is that they would go up to, like, a, like there used to be a 5K iMac that was 27 inches, 
yeah. this is still a 4K at 24 inches. Yeah. Um, so it's the same body. It's identical body, and they don't get the M3 Pro or the M3 Max. It's just the M3 at this level. But again, but for a desktop machine, way over inches, a pretty good size screen. It is. It is. And and you know, an Apple's response these day would be these days would be, you know, then buy either a mini or a a, a Studio Mac. And yeah. one of our monitors or a Mac Pro and one of our monitors. You know, we've got a, a 5K and a 6K monitor. If you want bigger, bigger and better, that's the way to do it. Yeah. You know, but for just the average buyer, home buyer that wants a desktop. This, yeah. This is well, and lots of offices. These are really pretty little computers when you set them on a desktop, you know, uh, sitting in an yeah. office, especially like in a customer service situation up on, up on a counter where people are coming in, you know, seeing the back of this pretty colorful uh, device is, you know, they're pretty. They really yeah. are. Um, you know, and so. as we've said repeatedly, the M1 is overkill for 90% of what people are going to do. So the M3 is just ridiculous. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure that you'd buy these for a secretary. You'd say, well, if they're still selling M1s, I'll pay the lower <laughs> price, right? <laughs> yeah. If I can get one of those, you know, through Amazon or somewhere else, uh, you know, Best Buy still has those in stock. Let's let's sell the other ones. Buy the other ones if they're being discounted, which I'm sure they are. These start at twelve ninety nine and go up. Uh, you know, the fact is, is that for the, probably ninety percent of the cases of office workers, uh, long time ago we've we've outperformed what is needed. Yeah, I mean, when they when they went to their own silicon, they they they, they out. I mean, you, you didn't need that. To be that honest. Improved. Even before they went to their own silicon, right. the, the, right. you know, the, the, the generation back, back, of Intel chips that is out and yeah, has back, been out is back, way back over. When they introduced the 13, the first 16 bit chips. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we sold eight bit chip machines, uh, for, to hobbyists that did word processing spreadsheets mm-hmm. and all that in a yeah. perfectly acceptable way. So, uh, you know, it's it's crazy what we keep yeah. talking about here. Just got to speed it up just because we can. Well, and honestly, we got to speed it up because we've we've added so many bells and whistles to the operating system that you need more oomph just to run the operating system anymore. That's you right. Know, yeah. uh, in order to make it look pretty and, and do all the things that it does. Yeah. Uh, and we and we phased all those other things out of our operating system. Right. So you don't have any choice. We're not going to let you go back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah, and that's true of both. You know the the Wintel and and the Apple world. I, I, I've often thought about it, the fact if somebody still had a, a whole bunch of these old powerful chips uh, or slow chips rather from the past, so called mm-hmm. slow chips. If he just came out with word processors, you could cut the price to you know giveaway almost. Buy a $100 computer and the secretary couldn't complain. <laughs> it's, you know, we've, it's like everything in our modern society today. We've just got to the place of overkill in so many areas, and this is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And most people going and buying them don't buy them because they, uh, um, you know, need more. It's just because the old one's old at this point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And, and, and let's face it. I mean, because they get hot and then they cool off and they get hot and cool off and stuff over a while, over well, time, they, 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 they get flaky and they're not, you know, and so it's like, okay, it's time for a new one. Yeah. Um, but that's even less and less of a case now because, you know, they're, they run so much cooler that they don't really heat up like they used to. Yeah, I, you know, nobody puts out reliability curves anymore, but this is, there's got to be a major improvement just because of the thermal issues, uh, uh, comparing, you know, all the people that are still using, uh, the Intel chips, for example, you know, that, that they run hot. Uh, that those things have got to not have anywhere close to the reliability, reliability of the, Apple silicon. Yeah. Because thermal is what it's all about. I well, mean, it, e- even when you got blowers on them, you know, you still heat them up and cool them down if, if you turn them off. Now, some people have been leaving them on and paying yeah. the electric bill, too. So, I'm, yeah. You know. Well, honestly, when I was when I was working IT professionally, 
that's what I told people to do, you know, in the newsroom, because I worked for newspapers, was uh, just leave them on. Don't turn them yeah. off. You know, if you go around turning them all off and then somebody comes in, you know, the next morning or, or the next day sometime and turns them all back on. Plus, we had different shifts, so they never sat for very long without somebody working on them anyway. But turning them on, turning them off was, was harder on them than just about anything else. Yeah. So, yeah, I was just yeah. looking at it. I have a uh, a um, Mac Plus that uh, and that's the original little Mac with the eight inch black and white screen that that uh, you know mm-hmm. it's all an all in one, weighed sixteen pounds, runs a Motorola sixty eight thousand at, yeah, at eight I megahertz. Saw I saw that sitting on your your desktop. I thought. You just want to show off that you had this thing years ago, right? Yep, yep. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Exactly what it is. You know, to me now, it's a piece of art. For a long time, it was a footrest. It was underneath my desk, and I put my foot on top. <laughs> but I finally said, you know, that that's you know, that's kind of a dumb way to use that. So I just set it up there. But it still works. You plug. There's the closing music. We're leaving now. Thanks for joining us on Generation Tech here on. Uh, I was going to say Thanksgiving on Halloween, uh, October 31st. And we'll be back next week. Bye.